0: So you know, reflecting the here and now, Pachubana Tama. It's remembering, isn't it? This this what I'm doing now is remembering using memory to reflect on the way it is. So you know, these words like here and now, Pachubana Tama is just a way of informing consciousness of the way it is. It's not a defining or describing anything but pointing So this is a, this is a, how the buddha teaches it's not doctrine definitions <clears throat> but about pointing here and now the four noble truths here and now this suffering its causes cessation and path is about here and now <clears throat> where we use language for thinking uh, and analyzing, comparing, criticizing, evaluating uh, you know and uh, comparing one thing with another. so that's that's generally how we're culturally conditioned to to use our thinking process as a critical function. and then we we don't we're not informed on how to use thinking or the thinking process or memory in a way that leads to liberation freedom from delusion so our thinking tends to create more delusions <coughs> the, like the sakaya Ditti personality view is an illusion <clears throat> that we, most people are firmly committed to uh, and operate from this uh, this perception of I'm this body, this person. These qualities and on and on like that, and the cultural conditioning. The values and principles of my culture of my group, my religion, uh, the thinking process then is is a description, defining, uh, comparing, evaluating, and just notice that the, when we use this word dualistic, the, uh, that thinking is a dualistic function. Its purpose, its what it does to consciousness, is divide and separate. So, you have, you know, whatever thought you have, it has its opposite. So, when we, you know, the Buddha pointing, emphasizing mindfulness, which is not about thinking or choosing uh, an object to become, but to uh, remember the reality of now, here and now, Pachubhanatamma. The posture now, the breathing now, the the state of mind, the mood, the emotional state you're in, the uh, whatever conditions that you that you have at this moment that are operating through your consciousness. Mindfulness, sati allows us to observe, to be the knower of the conditions rather than the owner, the person that has these problems, the person that is limited, bound by what you're feeling or the physical body or the um, prejudices, biases that you might be, you know, your culture, your conditioning might uh, manifest in the present moment. So it's, this is not, a, a, you know, like a an attack on conditions, it's not, because that would be another condition, you know, we we're saying all conditions, we're looking at them as in terms of characteristics of impermanence and not-self rather than as good or bad. Condition phenomena can, you know, has its range of the best to the worst, right and wrong. But awareness of conditions. And if we couldn't be aware of conditions, then we would be helpless victims of our conditioning. There'd be no escape from the born, the created, the form that originated. We'd be stuck with the package that we have acquired (laughs) through circumstances or whatever. But because there's the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is an escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. Now, this particular teaching then is is a reflective one, not not for grasping and, and, uh, you know, to make anything out of it, but to reflect from it, a reminder, like Pachubana It's not saying this moment is the best moment or uh, comparing it with memories of previous moments. It's just the reminding, awaken, be fully here, present, here and now. And then people ask me, how do you do that? And I say, I can't describe how you can be mindful, it's just R <laughs> So then uh, the the Amaro, Ajahn Pasano, the the book they wrote. It's been in the process of being printed, for publication called The Island, and it's now received copies. Hopefully uh, we'll receive more copies. They sent just a a few. But this is this Ajahn Amaro, that's very much uh, consulting. I wrote a preface for it, and it's it's about this. The island is a metaphor, <clears throat> and it's uh, you know you use this. The metaphor is is for reflection. It's a kind of taking a symbol for something, and so this this metaphor of the island, that which you can't go beyond. So the, the you know an island is say in the middle of the ocean. It's the shore that hath no shore beyond it. It's uh, the place of here and now. You know you can't wherever you go. This is this is the point you're operating from. From this island set in all the sea. So apply that to the here and now. Reality of here and now, just this this metaphor of the island. And I've contemplated this for many years because this uh, I like doing this. I have a natural inclination for this kind of reflectiveness. And uh, there's um, years ago when I I had only about three vathas. I was at Tamsangpet, which is a uh, was my favorite monastery in Thailand at the time. It's now in the, uh, I'm not to learn, but it was a place I really liked. And I did a lot of uh, this kind of reflection, had a lot of insight during the two years that I lived in this place. And I was reading uh, William James's uh, book, Varieties of Religious Experience, which is a kind of classic uh, of, um, you know, William James was a philosopher, English philosopher of the 19th century. So and he wrote this book, Varieties of Religious Experience, and at the very end of it was this quote by uh, Swinburne, the poet. And it's this 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 uh and it was at the very end of the of this book varieties of religious experience and and that struck me at the time as being you know something to reflect from because this is this was the insight I was having the shore the shore that has no shore beyond it like the island you can't wherever you go you're you're the, the, this island itself there's no other shore, so mindfulness then is uh, this ability you know this, where we put ourselves in that center point on the island, we say for example we are you are the island, you can't get beyond it." Set in all the sea. Everything, so the rest, all around you is the sea or the world. Where on a personal level, uh, your personality works. The sakya is about, I'm this person sitting here and I want to go there. And if I go to India and sit under the Bodhi tree, I'll get enlightened. Or I've got to go to Thailand or uh, go to the Himalayas, uh, live in a cave, or find the right teacher, or there's always this sense of me uh, as a separate entity that has to find something, has to get something I don't have, or find a, the right place, or the right person, or whatever. So the, that the sakya ditti is is a very conditioned illusion. That uh, if we don't break through it, if we don't get beyond it, then We're this kind of like the Flying Dutchman, a hopeless wanderer in the in the world, forever searching for for our partner, our mate, our perfect situation, seeking it can't die, forever stuck in immortal physical form that can't die, and just wandering around the samsara. That's how that's the image I have of of uh, ignorant. Human individual lost in the samsara, going from one lifetime to another, uh, you know, just looking, searching, trying to find himself or herself, trying to find the right place. But this is uh, the Buddha's pointing to here and now, Dhamma. It's not something that you, you know, you, you have to go looking for, it's a matter of awakening to it. This awakening then is reminding, here and now. There's a, like remembering. The Four Noble Truths is about here and now. It's not about me trying to analyze why I suffer, what's the cause of my suffering, uh, who is the creator of suffering, and and thinking of it from the sakya level. It's about there is suffering, it should be understood, there are the causes they should be let go of, there, there is a cessation should be realized, there is the path it should be cultivated. So in the Sutta Nipata. They also quote this because this is one of my favorite verses. Was the the island that you cannot go beyond? Well, contemplate this during this retreat. This this metaphor of the island, the place of nothingness. So you you give up. Trying to find something it's you know you you can't get beyond it, so that that sense of searching and looking and desiring and trying to trying to change things according to your likes and dislikes, you can begin to see that you have it's like you suddenly switch from being this this kind of lost wandering person into this awareness itself. Being this awareness. And then in uh, T.S. Eliot uh, from the Dry Salvages, men's curiosity searches past and future and clings to that dimension. So it's like, Curiosity, isn't it? What is curiosity? You know, that's always looking, being curious, trying to find something. Something over there, I'm interested in, in that. because I'm curious, so I go over there. <clears throat> over here, somewhere else. But searches the past and the future and clings to that dimension. So this is a statement of, of ignorance. Isn't it? It's curiosity, man's curiosity, caught in time, the hopeless wandering lost soul in the samsara, searching for himself. And then apprehend the point of intersection between the timeless and time, and that 's mindfulness isn't it The point of intersection between the timeless and time is not about past or future, and clinging to perceptions of in the future i 'll get something i 'll become an enlightened person or i'll i 'll have insight or the, f- the past clinging to memories of the past So I always like that the point of intersection apprehend the the word apprehend the English word apprehend is a good word it has to recognize here and now apprehend the point of intersection of a timeless with time. And so this is like the the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And then there is escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. Because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Well, what is that right now? Is that just you can just uh, memorize the words. But the reality of it is uh, here and now, isn't it? Awaken the individual being awake, mindful from the point uh, from the Shore that hath no shore beyond it. So each one of us is, is, you know, in this term, in terms of the existential reality of this moment, is this island. You know, this is is a metaphor for being born in a form, having a human body, that has its span of time to live. It has a past, it has a future. The future is death. The past was birth. <clears throat> and from this, this point, because each, you know, when we identify with the body, then it's a sep- we always have this feeling of separation you know, vulnerability, I'm this vulnerable human body, I'm this, the age of this body, I'm a male or female, I'm, a, you know, then it goes into the whole proliferating uh, identities with conditioned phenomena. And and this is what society uh, imposes and believes in and and reinforces these delusions of a separate self, a separate soul, right and wrong, good and bad. And so awakening is this imminent reality of here and now. It's just this. So it's not a destruction of the personality, but it's, it's uh, transcending the personality. So we're not trying to, to destroy our personalities because then that would be dualistic again. Personality is bad, we should get rid of it. But it's not about getting rid of It's understanding, apprehend, to be able to see sakya ditti as an object from this point of consciousness in the vast universe that we're engaged in at this very moment. (laughs) So each one of us is, uh, has this, you know, is this island. We have to experience this whole universal system from this point of here and now within the restrictions of the human bodies we have. Well, contemplate that, what that really means, you know, whether it's a healthy body or unhealthy, young or old, male or female, (coughs) fat or thin, tall or short, black or white. It's this point, it's a conscious, point of consciousness. The body was born and in and that, and that birth of the human body, it becomes—it's uh, a conscious form, the point of consciousness in the universe. So it has a sense of separation, and then we we are conditioned to to identify with the body. With uh, we develop our personalities, our our values, our principles, our fears and desires. And then with awakened awareness, with con- then consciousness is no longer, we're not projecting conditions into it or operating from, dis- from perceptions of me and mine and cultural attitudes and the thinking process, but from pure conscious awareness without distortion. Of the conditions that we that we can easily uh, grasp, if we're not aware. So in the in the Ajahn Pasanno Ajahn Amro's book, the island. This is a a kind of it's very good actually a kind of. Exploration of this this metaphor, and using quotes from the scriptures from Lung Por Chan. because this is uh, this is this is what how we learn we can learn from these metaphors, but not uh, kind of analyzing or you know getting caught up in mythology or anything, but using them for you know, applying it to the here and now, like taking refuge in Buddha, bhutang Saranangachami. You know, that that can be just, uh, uh, you know, part of Theravada Buddhism, Buddhist ceremony, and they request the refuges and the precepts, and then the monk says Bhutan Saranangachami, and the people repeat it ceremonial, <clears throat> but then, you know, internalizing that, it's not just, you know, believing in some kind of abstract Buddha or in perceptions of Buddha, because this will always make Buddha seem something separate, like it's, it's a historical sage or it's a kind of force that we can imagine, a kind of Buddha nature out there. You know, so we can we can abstract it and create all kinds of theories about Buddha nature or the Buddha within or the Buddha throughout the universe and Buddha energy and Buddha mind and and proliferate endlessly around the word Buddha or just never really think about it. Just repeat like a parrot, Bhutanguangachami. But it, these three refuges have great significance in practice because this is what I call internalizing them. So that they're not just traditional recitations in Pali words. Actually, what is Bhutan Sarnangachami at this very moment taking refuge in Buddha? And this is like, this is a self-inquiry. What is Buddha at this very moment from this island, this point of consciousness? And of course, it is a convention like any other word. But for me, this, when, when I think of Bhutto or Bhutang Sarnangachami, it reminds me awaken here and now, Pachubhanantamma, the knower, the ability to apprehend the point of intersection between the timeless and time. This is like refuge in Buddha. It's not speculating or me, my personality, uh, kind of claiming to be Buddha at all. But it's, it's merely using this, these words for remembering mindfulness Pachubanantama here and now so the mantra puto because is is a it's not a matter of attachment it's not just to use it as a kind of uh, chant mantra but it's actually internalizing it so it It's a reminder, it's remembering. sati remembering the present moment. Because if we don't recall or recollect or apprehend this present moment, then we do live in in this uh, curiosity, the past and the future. And we cling to that dimension. We believe in the future and in the past hopes for the future, enlightenment in the future, success in the future, or maybe it's all going to be the other way, failure, old age, pain, misery, loss, depression about the future, or the past. People have regrets about the past or resentments about uh, things happening to them in the past that you remember. Or we have, you know, if you, you have happy memories, so one can remember the good old days when I was young. The happy days. When life was sunshine and roses. And now old, lonely old man. <laughs> but my youth. I was really somebody when I was young, but now. So one, you know, old people sometimes, they always live, they can uh, go back and tell you endlessly about their past, their youth. Clinging to that dimension of the past or the future. But to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time is an occupation of the saint. But then it goes on into not a occupation either but a lifetime in self surrender selflessness ardor he uses so it's not just a kind of you know resignation passive negative resignation to the present it's an awakened vital ardor of awake attention Mindfulness, satisampachanya, satipanya. Panya is not some passive blankness. It's it's discerning. It's it's uh, full. It's effulgent, radiant. But <coughs> when, when we get caught in the past and the future, then we lose that. You know, we get... We we cloud over our radiant nature is is lost into regrets or longings or fears, dreads, hopes, expectations, worries, all the things that the self, the sense of the the, the, the binding ourselves to these conditions. You know, we're lost in this dull world of conditioned phenomena. It makes us dull and stupid. So during this, uh, you know, emphasizing this opportunity of this community retreat, and that's why, too, to be silent and and uh, look inward, you know, so that you're, you're reminding us. When we go out and endlessly seek distraction uh, through talking to others or computers and laptops and getting caught up into duties and responsibilities, then, then our personality easily uh, takes over. You know, the Sakya Ditti Silabhadra Brahmaasa, which tend to reinforces those uh, fetters. And we forget, you know, pachubhāna-tamma, because, you know, the world, the Sangsar, is about, you know, doing this now for a result in the future, planning the future. <coughs> Remembering the past and the present is just merely, you know, an unnoticed. Or if it is noticed, it's merely, you know, from the self-view. You know, I'm here and now. I like this place, and I don't like this place, or I'm happy now, and but, uh, or unhappy. So that, so that the present moment even. It gets corrupted into some kind of personal uh, view, evaluation, judgment, distortion. So see these, these conditions, like they distort consciousness. We're seeing, you know, we look through distortions. Through these, you know, if you go to these fun fairs, or things that the, I remember as a child going through, these funfairs where they have these room of mirrors where they, ha- they distort your form. <laughs> so you go from one mirror to the other and your, your body takes on kind of ridiculous shapes. And so and that's what, what happens, isn't it? We, when we're ignorant, not awake, then we, we live in this realm of distorted, grotesque images. That we we identify with, <coughs> and then we lose ourselves in these in these uh, distortions, and then of course we're frightened and anxious and worried, and want things we don't have, and don't want what we have, and uh, discontentment, dukkha. The First Noble Truth Suffering, Loneliness, Despair, Shelley's uh, poem When Adonais starts with uh, peace, peace, he is not dead, he does not sleep, he has awakened from the dream of life. Uh, he has awakened from the dream of life. It is we who lost in mortal visions keep with phantoms an impossible strife, in mad trance, strike with our spirits knife in vulnerable nothings. We decay like corpses in a charnel. Fear and grief possess us and consume us day by day, and cold hopes swarm like worms within our living clay. Awakening from the dream of life, from the dreams, uh, <coughs> the the attachment, blind attachment to conditions. So, this is like a vicha, sankara, sankara, bhajya, vinyana. So like Paticca Samuppada, you know. Avicca, not knowing Dhamma, ignorance, in other words. Avicca means ignorance of the truth of ultimate reality. It means not knowing the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, where we just helplessly caught in the born and created the form, the condition. That's avicca. You know, so avicca affects everything around us. When we come from avicca, from sakya from silabhata-bharamasa, from vichikecha, when we operate from these fetters and, and create the world from these distortions, then that then the Avita affects all Sankaras, our whole experience of life. How we see the universe, ourselves, and the world around us is is through ignorance. And then, of course, that affects this conscious moment. Because we're conscious entities, each one we're experiencing pure consciousness at this moment. But whether it's Avita, if that's our Modus operandi, that's what we operate from. Then, then that affects consciousness in everything we do. You know, whether it's sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing, <coughs> monks or nuns, you know, young or old, whatever. Everything is uh, then affected by ignorance. And it always ends up at the end Sokha parite tuka tomanasa upayasa, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. So, this is like paticca or dependent origination. You know, if a vita, then that effect, then that is the cause of dukkha, of suffering. <clears throat> so that. Avicca, Then we, we, I, my personality, me and mine, my body, what I look like, my position, my feelings, my principles, my desires, my life, my memories, my future, my past. Everything operates. Is, is if if I don't see Avicca, if I have no pers- no view. If I don't have that perspective, if I operate always from Avicca, then the result is always going to be Dukkha. So that's summarizing Patita Samuppada. <coughs> because if you take that, Avicca, Bhajya Sankara, Sankara, Bhajaya, Vinyana, Vinyana, Bhajaya, Namarupa, Salayatana, uh, Patsa, Vedana, uh, and so forth. It follows that whole sequence of uh, operating from avicca leads to, is the cause, or the result is dukkha. And then the uh, the, uh, the other side, the Neroda side, once avicca, there's no avicca, extirpate avicca. Deracinate and extirpate avicca. Through what? <laughs> Through awareness. Awakening. It's as simple as that. It's not, you have to study, uh, get a PhD in Buddhist studies to extirpate avicca. <clears throat> but it's, uh, awakening here and now. So, this, uh, from this point of intersection between the timeless and time, then the perspective, you ha- you, 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 you're not, uh, destroying conditions, but you're extirpating avicca. You've conquered ignorance, and you're, there's awakened. Puto seen dhamma, rather than me and my problems and my views and principles and my life and so forth. So this is like Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, uh, these three refuges. I think they're very skillful uh, words. Because it helps to, to put you into that state of where your personality can be seen, not judged, where the Sakyaditi Sila Bhatta Bara can be observed. Puto is the knowing. It's the apprehending, ability to apprehend this moment, the point of intersection of the timeless with time. Then what does the Buddha know? He knows the Dhamma ultimate truth, reality, is awakened to reality, to the truth. And then the sangha is not a person. In fact, the word always conveys a sense of a community, or a group of people. But it's about supatipano, ujupatipano, yaya patipano, samiji patipano. This is not about am I a good meditator or not am I practicing in the right way but it's it 's through this this uh, insight that supatipano that the individual each one of us then is is supatipano when we 're aware when there's awareness and wisdom Ujupatipano, direct it 's direct clear here and now. Insightful. Samiji Patipano. Yaya Patipano. Samiji Patipano. Integrity. The sense of knowing from your guts. This is a knowing. And it's a, it's a profound knowing. It's not theoretical knowing. It's not conditioned knowing. So this is the gift of our human state: is that it is a this is a opportunity we have to um, for liberation at this very moment. Where sometimes Buddhism gets so heavy with with uh, views and opinions and. And, uh you know, this weighs you down with all the information about Buddhism. Now there's so much information in so many different languages about Buddhism, and then the Internet, and then websites, Buddhist websites, everything. There's so much information that it, it makes Buddhism look, you know, like a very complicated, uh, almost impossible religion. Or is it a philosophy? People ask me, no, it's not a religion, it's philosophy. No, it's psychology. No, it's... (laughs) But if you really take this, it's, it's, you know, the Dhamma is not about, it's not a religion or a philosophy or psychology. It includes all those. You know, so you, you can, you know, it's, this, this teaching is both, you know, it's, it can be seen as philosophy or psychology or science, religion, because it's the, about the way it is. It, it's not uh, kind of put into a category of something or other, like religion and science. In the West, isn't it, they tend to separate religion and then there's science. Religion is all about believing in deities and hocus-pocus and that kind of thing, mumbo-jumbo. In the last retreat, somebody wrote me a letter about mumbo-jumbo, hocus-pocus. That's how how they, they, when we do the chanting, you know, and we and we the we all put our heads onto the floor. This person hocus-pocus, mumbo-jumbo. That's how they see it. Because they see it from a particular point of view, you know. And, uh, and then we can, you know, if we're engaged, if we're committed to this tradition, then we can also be blinded by our own tradition. You know, if we're not practicing, if we're not Tupatipano, then we become Theravadan Buddhists and and then as we identify Theravada then we <coughs> we form opinions about other religions, other forms of Buddhism. So it's it's not about, you know, grasping Convention and aligning yourself with a convention out of ignorance, sakya ditti, siddhapatabhaya masa, vichikita, about using, it's a tool for use, it's an expedient means. It's a very skillful tool, but if you use it wrongly, then it's, it's not the tool's fault, is it? <coughs> So you know the the, see the the directness of this you know it does it is threatening in many ways because the self is being you know it's like it can be rather terrifying because if I don't have a self and I don't, who am I you know and we we can become emotionally quite frightened by emptiness or the uh, the idea of complete surrender. And uh, it, and from the thakaditti level, this is a big threat. You know, I have to surrender everything. I have to give up everything. I have to let go of everything. I I I have to I have to examine the four noble truths, and I have to practice, and so we can take all these uh, skillful means from the thakaditti level, and where does it take you? You know, it becomes compulsive, uh, it becomes part of, you know, a sense of ourself we, if we don't practice from uh, enough, or then we, or we doubt about our practice. Maybe I'm practicing, I'm not practicing right. Tell me, Ajahn Samedha, how to practice rightly. Because I don't know, you know, I'm f- afraid I'm making a mistake and I'm doing it all wrong. Could you tell me? How to practice rightly, practice in the right way. You guide me, Ajahn Sumaito, and tell me what to do. And then I'll, you know, then I can, I'll try, I trust you. But everyone who says they trust me inevitably don't in the long run. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it's coming from Sakya Ditti. And seeing me through sakyaditi, seeing themselves through sakyaditi, the self-view. So it's not pointing to 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 anything other than the here and now. Dhamma. wake up! I can't wake up for you. I can't even tell you how to wake up. It's just something you do. <laughs> so the the the. Uh, invitation to wake up is, uh, you know, it's not something that one can make someone else do or even describe. So these images like the island, the metaphor, these are, you know, these are, use them for the here and now, you know. Just get a feeling for being the center, you know, because this is not Sakyaditya anymore. Not saying I, Ajahn made am the center of the whole universe. It's not megalomania. But it's uh, it's about examining this present moment, because right now, in terms of experience at this very moment, this point, of consciousness that that I'm experiencing through this form that's sitting here on this high sea. this is the island this is the center point and the rest is the all the sea around it you know all the waves the fish the uh, everything that that is in the sea around this island And then that metaphor is you can't, there's no point in searching or trying to find any other place, but recognize, to apprehend this. This is it. This is the island. This is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. This, this. Stops the thinking mind. You you try to think about it. You, You can't, you know, you... You just get more and more confused. Like Anjan Shah would say, your brain will explode, trying to figure that out with the, with the dualistic thought. So, this is where it's, uh, it's this uh, imminent, awakened, realizing, apprehending this point of intersection of the timeless with time. And it is about a lifetime, They're living through the lifetime of these forms, their aging process, their, their death, the things that happen to us individually or as a group, you know, the good, the bad, praise, blame, success, failure. <clears throat> a lifetime of selflessness, surrender, and ardor. I like that word ardor isn't it because it self-surrender and selflessness can sound very passive you know just kind of lying down and letting the world go by in a kind of passive resignation waiting to die kind of thing (laughs) sitting around waiting to die or ardor is this uh, you know this uh, this is this has energy this has this is Bright radiance, not just selflessness and surrender, but ardor also. So, this, this in the, within these forms, these separate human forms, then and, and then there's these excellent tools that we have, the Buddha gave us. We have a way to to examine our experience of, and to to know reality. To be the knower of reality rather than somebody who's searching for God or reality or truth and through some idea of it. Always with the basic uh, distortion of a self. The crazy distorted mirror in the Amusement Park in the Fun House.